0: This is the Rick Edelman Show. Barron's ranks Edelman Financial Engines the number one independent investment advisor in the country. And Rick is in the Barron's Financial Advisor Hall of Fame. Now, here's Rick Edelman.
1: And a very happy weekend to you. Welcome to the Rick Edelman Show. Hope you're enjoying the summertime. You know what we haven't talked about in the last several weeks on this program? is what's going on in the investing world. There's been so much activity happening, and I thought it would be worthwhile to spend some time today talking about that because you are terribly concerned about what's going on in the investment world, aren't you? You've seen incredible volatility this past week in the stock market. The worst single day since last October occurred earlier this week. And so you're wondering, gee willikers, what should I be doing with my investments these days? Well, let's just take a quick look at what's going on. So far this year, through June 30, the first six months of the year, the S&P 500 is up 14%. That's a record high. But also coming along with that is volatility. We've seen it this past week itself, the stock market having a terrible day one day this week, followed by a wonderful day the next. So it's hard to figure out what's going on. Will this be sustained? Is the stock market going to continue to do really well? At this pace, the stock market will be up 28% for the year. Or will investors decide that the party is over, the pace can't be sustained, and there are too many headwinds, too many risks, too many issues that we're dealing with, not least of which is the threat of inflation, along with fears of rising tax rates. So can corporate America keep it up? Well... We do know that there is a couple of dark clouds on the horizon. Number one, of course, is inflation. Consumer prices rose 5% in the month of May alone. That was the fastest, biggest increase in a single month in more than 13 years. Yeah, going all the way back to the credit crisis of 2008. The real question is this. What's going to happen With inflation going forward, we have seen dramatic increases in the price of food and gasoline, car prices, housing prices, but is this high rate of inflation going to continue or is it over? Are we done? Is Okay, prices are higher, but are they going to stop rising or are they going to plateau where they are? Might even prices begin to come back down a little bit? We saw that with lumber, for example. Lumber prices skyrocketed earlier this year and have tumbled ever since. Well, one way we try to get the answer to that question is by turning to the Federal Reserve. I mean, after all, the Federal Reserve, their primary job is inflation and interest rates. And so what does the Fed have to say? What does Jay Powell, the chair of the Federal Reserve Board, have to say about this? Well, in short, the Fed has absolutely no idea what's going on with inflation. They don't know whether it's going to continue or not, and they don't know, therefore, whether or when they're going to have to start raising interest rates because if inflation continues to rise, the Fed's key tool to reduce the rate of inflation is by raising interest rates. Here, in fact, is what Jay Powell had to say earlier this week.
0: We're experiencing a, a, a big uptick in inflation, bigger than than uh, many expected, bigger than certainly than I expected. And we're trying to understand whether it's something that, that will pass, pass through fairly quickly um, or whether, we're, in fact, we need to act.
1: Now, this isn't a particularly reassuring comment. I mean, you, you kind of hope that the captain of the ship knows how to steer the boat, but the Fed is frankly being honest with us all. This is all so new, unprecedented. We've never experienced a situation like this. You know, after spending several trillion dollars in dealing with the pandemic, with the Fed engaging in massive amounts of cash into the economy to support the nation while we're dealing with the lockdowns and the business declines and, and everything else that we've experienced over the past year and a half. Now, as we emerge from that, the economy comes back rip-roaring well. Will the threat of inflation undo all of this? And the Fed is acknowledging, well, you know, we're just not sure what's going to happen. Now, I will tell you this, or I should say, rather, the Fed will tell you this. They're projecting an annual rate of inflation of 2%. So you have to keep this in mind. The Fed is consciously, deliberately targeting a rate of inflation of 2%, which means they know that they want prices to be higher a year from now than they are today. And let me put it to you in another way. Every dollar you have in the bank a year from now will be worth 98 cents. That's the impact of 2% inflation. Now, investors offset that decline in value in in terms of buying power because of inflation, investors offset that by earning interest on their money or generating a rate of return on their money, an increase in value of their assets. So I'll put the question to you. Are you earning 2% in your bank account? If you're not, that means you're losing money in real economic terms. Net of inflation. If inflation is 2% and you're only earning one-half of a percent, well, that means you're losing money in real economic terms. And that's even before we talk about taxes, because if you're earning one-half of one percent in the bank, but you're losing a third of that to taxes, well, then your real rate of return, net of taxes, is 0.17. And if inflation is 2%, well, it means you're losing 1.8, in real economic terms, net of taxes and inflation, which is why I often say that people who have money in bank accounts – Well, the reason you have money in the bank is because you want your money to be safe. You don't want to expose it to market risk. You don't want to take the chances that the stock market might crash or what have you. So you put the money in the bank for safety. Well, guess what? You're going broke safely by having money in the bank because net of taxes, net of inflation, you're not keeping pace with the cost of living. This is a real challenge. And by the way, this isn't merely a challenge in the United States. This is a challenge globally. Food prices around the world surged 40% in the month of May alone. The United Nations says it's the biggest rise in food prices in 10 years, and they're now beginning to get worried that starvation is going to rise in the world's poorer countries, as the world's poor can't afford to buy food. So this is a global condition and a global concern. So what are investors doing about it? What might you be contemplating if you can't get the rate of return you need from your local bank account or treasuries or super safe savings and investment vehicles. Where do you go? How do you get the rate of return you need that exceeds the rate of taxes and inflation? Well, investors are doing some pretty crazy things. Take a look at what's going on in the world of junk bonds. So many investors have thrown money into junk bonds. These are bonds that are considered... Triple B and below, that's their rating, triple B. The very best rating is triple A. That's followed by double A, single A, triple B, and then followed by double B, single B, all the way down to single digit C. When you get to junk bond yields, you know everything triple B and above is considered investment grade. Pension funds and, and others are allowed to invest in investment grade bonds. You get below investment grade, they're called speculative grade otherwise known as junk, because there's a risk that the company that issued the bond might go out of business, which means not only don't you earn any interest, you don't even get your money back. Well, investors have been ignoring the risks of junk bonds because they've been looking at the yields. These yields pay a lot higher interest. Well, it's kind of obvious why. Why would you take the risk of buying a junk bond? They've got to entice you by paying you more in interest than you'd get from a treasury or a bank savings account. Junk bond yields, though, are now at about 4.5%. Now, you're saying to yourself, gee, Rick, that's a whole lot better than my bank, and it is at 45 but it's actually a record low. If you compare junk bond yields to treasury yields, because treasuries are the safest investment in the world, that's the general attitude investors have, the investment standard of the world, and if you compare junk bond yields to treasury yields, treasury yields are only 2.5% less than junk bond yields. Why would you take the incredible risk of a junk bond to merely earn 2% more? And that's not all. Investors have thrown $29 billion into municipal bonds this year, and their yields are also the lowest level on record. The muni bond index is 095 you are earning less than 1%. And there's such a thing as junk muni bonds. Local governments that have very little revenue, very small tax base, and they're unrated. These are called junk munis. They're only 5% of the total municipal bond market, but they have received 25% of investor dollars this year. Investors are chasing yield in a desperate effort to earn higher returns. And unfortunately, well, you know what happens when you chase yield. You're taking far greater risks. Investors are more focused about the return on their money than the risks of the return of their money. So before you go chasing yield, you need to recognize that the higher the rate of return that's being promised, the greater the risk you're taking to do it. And when we come back, I'm going to pose a question to you about what rate of return you actually expect to earn? That's a key question, and your answer speaks volumes. So stay tuned for more here on The Rick Edelman Show as we continue our conversation about the investing strategy you need today. 888-PLAN-RICK, rickedelman.com.
0: Doesn't come with instructions. More of your questions coming up on the Rick Edelman Show.
1: back to the Rick Edelman Show. We're talking about the world of investing and what you're doing with your money these days. And more importantly, I want to ask you what your expectations are. You know, a lot of folks are trying to figure out how to increase their rates of return and and they're unhappy with what they're getting in bonds. I don't really care what the bond is, whether it's a government bond, a corporate bond, a municipal bond, a junk bond, whether you're talking about a bank CD or savings or checking account, money market account, whatever kind of debt instrument, as they're known, we're talking about here. Ads are you're earning a very low rate of return, far lower than you're satisfied with getting. And this is causing people to invest elsewhere. And one of the things that people are looking at is that simultaneously, while bond yields are down, while interest rates being paid are very low, the stock market's returns are very high. As I mentioned earlier in the program today, the S&P 500 has earned 14% in the first six months of the year. We're on an annual pace of 28%. Well, why on earth would you put money into a savings account at zero point nothing when you can put it into the stock market and get, well, gee golly, you tell me what you're going to get. And in fact, gee golly, that's what I want to ask you. What are you going to get? I want to ask you a simple question. What rate of return do you expect to earn in your stock investments over the next many years? What is the average annual return you expect to generate from the stock market? Whether your stocks or your stock mutual funds or stock ETFs, what's the rate of return you expect to get? There was a recent survey just released showing that investors say they are expecting to earn an average of 20% per year over the next many years. Ah! That is shocking to me. That is scary to me. Since 1926, according to Ibbotson Associates, the S&P 500 has earned an average of 10% per year. But investors are expecting to get 20% per year. This is really scary. Yale University's got an investor confidence index. It is now at the highest level in about a decade. You need to get a little grip here. Because if you're expecting the stock market, to generate sustained rates of return of 20% a year, according to the survey, 17.5 net of inflation, that's just crazy. That ain't going to happen. You're not going to see those levels of returns. And if you're counting on them, If you're doing some calculations at home saying, oh, gee, honey, if we continue to save this amount of money and we continue to earn this rate of return, we're going to have a big bucket of money in just a few years. We're going to be on easy street, able to retire, quit our jobs, have a great time. I'm fearful that your expectations are wildly unrealistic and you're setting yourself up for disappointment and even worse, regret. We need to recognize that, sure, the stock market often does generate double-digit returns of 20 or 30% a year. It does that from time to time, and we're experiencing it right now here in 2020, 2021. We've seen it in both of these years. But that's not normal. That's not the way it always works. On average, over long periods, the stock market has historically produced per year. Now, I'm not going to suggest that past performance guarantees future results. We know that any assertion that it does is simply invalid. I'm simply here to tell you that you need to recognize that there's something known as regression to the mean. If the long-term historical average of the market is 10% and we've been earning solid double-digit returns in excess of that recently, you can reasonably expect at some point the pendulum's going to go in the other direction. Now, we don't know when, we don't know why, we don't know how severely, we don't know for how long. My simple point is you should temper your enthusiasm because if you are expecting these massively high double-digit returns on a sustained long-term basis, you are likely setting yourself up not merely for disappointment, not merely for regret. You could actually be setting yourself up for scams. Because there are predators out there who will exploit your greed, your expectations. You're kicking yourself that you're not earning 20, 30, 40, 50% a year. You keep hearing stories about stocks that are producing incredible rates of return. You're not getting them yourself. And when you come upon an email or something online or rumors from a friend who are touting the incredible opportunities of these returns... You're going to say to yourself, well, golly gee willikers, how come I'm not getting that? Maybe I should sign up with those folks. Maybe I should buy the investment they're touting. And that is where financial devastation comes into play. Let me share with you several stories of, uh, of a concern that are... Uh, Bopping around here a little bit. Uh, TIAA CREF, one of the most reputable and well known organizations. uh, They provide 403B retirement savings accounts uh, at schools and hospital systems around the country. They're now paying a $97 million fine to the SEC for what the SEC says are inaccurate and misleading statements and a failure to disclose conflicts of interest. The SEC says that TIAA-CREF did not disclose conflicts of interest when telling clients to roll their retirement dollars into a managed account program managed by TIAA-CREF. Their reps claimed that they offered objective and non-commissioned advice, saying they put the client first and that they acted in the client's best interest and they considered themselves fiduciaries. That's what they said to their customers. The SEC says all of that is misleading, their advice is not objective, and it's not necessarily in the client's best interests. The reps pressured clients into investing in their program instead of offering lower-cost alternatives, and the New York Attorney General's office says the sales tactics generated hundreds of millions of dollars in fees for TIAA. So I'm not talking necessarily Ponzi schemes, I'm not talking about the outright crooks, even... Well-known organizations can be engaging in deceptive and manipulative sales practices in a high-pressure environment that serves their best interests. You don't have to take my word for it. It's a $97 million fine in which, I hasten to add, they did neither admitted nor denied wrongdoing. And how about this one? Profit Connect Wealth Services out of Las Vegas. Joy Kovar and her son, Brent Kovar, created a stock and crypto trading company based on an artificial intelligence supercomputer. They guaranteed their investors 20 to 30% per year. Guaranteed! They raised $12 million from nearly 300 investors. The SEC says it was a Ponzi scheme. The money is gone. And oh, by the way, that son, Brent Kovar... The SEC shut down a pump and dump scheme he ran back in 2009. It looks like the SEC didn't keep him out on a permanent basis. You need to recognize that these kinds of cons exist and you need to protect yourself. And when you go trying to chase high returns, when you yourself believe you're going to get them, you're setting yourself up for the possibility of a very bad outcome. You're listening to The Truth About Money with Rick Edelman. I'd like to share with you the latest exponential technology innovations. Researchers have now built the world's smallest acoustic amplifier. It holds promise for tiny wireless technology. This amplifier, think of it just as a speaker like you would have on your phone or in your car or listening to your stereo. This speaker is 0.0008. Square inches. That's half of one square millimeter. This speaker can fit inside a grain of salt. That's tiny. Researchers have also figured out how to build a backscatter radio, a passive sensor that doesn't radiate energy. It reflects it. It's a low-cost, low-complexity, and battery-free radio. Researchers at the Georgia Institute of Technology and Nokia Bell Labs have built this device that can transfer data from virtually any environment. It's getting tiny out there, which is why nanotech is so cool. You're listening to The Truth About Money. 888-PLAN-RICK, Edelman.com.
0: With the author of the 2008 Personal Finance Book of the Year, The Lies About Money, coming up on The Rick Edelman Show.
1: Welcome back to The Rick Edelman Show. As you know, we've announced that uh, this radio show will be coming to a close later this fall. And Gene and I are leaving our daily activities here at Edelman Financial Engines, uh, moving on in a variety of other areas, among them focusing on retirement security, longevity, and Alzheimer's disease, uh, among other things. And uh, I had this very nice phone message of well-wishing from Paul Irving. He is the head of the Milken Institute's Center for the Study of Aging. And I thought I'd share with you Paul's message.
0: I want to congratulate you on all you've accomplished. Uh, You've changed the world of financial services in, in many ways, and the education that you provide and the enhancement of financial literacy has been really important. But this is in no way a retirement message. You're not done. Far from it. I actually know, watching what you do and watching all you're interested in, that you're going to do, I think, even more in the next stage of your life. The work that you're doing to improve longevity, to focus on financial security for all of our population, on health and on well-being is powerful. And frankly, you know, the skills that you've brought to your business for so many years, your talent for communication, your ability to translate, oftentimes complex issues and to understandable and digestible messages. is just something we need so much in the social sector. So on the one hand, I want to congratulate you for all you've done, but no gold watch. In fact, to the contrary, I think you're going to be a more impactful guy in this next stage of your life. And I look forward to A, helping you and B, watching you and being part of it in any way I can. So So congratulations again, Rick, and keep up your good and impactful and important work. I look forward to spending time with you.
1: Thank you, Paul, so very much for that kind message. You know, that this radio show may be coming to an end, but you know it's not coming to an end? Taxes! The IRS has announced that they have not processed 35 million tax returns from 2019. They're just in a massive backlog, and we all know that taxes are on the agenda. The president is proposing significantly higher taxes, and in a recent survey, 69% of voters say they support higher taxes on the wealthy and on corporations. The Tax Policy Center says 60% of households are going to see higher taxes, including those who earn less than $400,000, despite President Biden's campaign promise. And if all we get are higher corporate taxes, well, you need to recognize... That means a tax increase for you. There's really no such thing as a corporate income tax. Because if a corporation incurs a higher tax, which lowers their profits, they just pass that higher cost on to you in the form of higher prices. So corporations don't pay taxes, people do. Now, it's going to be months. Before a new tax bill is signed into law, we don't know yet what the new tax rates are going to be, what those tax rates are going to be applied to. We don't know who's going to have to pay the taxes or when the new tax rates are even going to take effect. But it's safe to say that taxes are going to rise in a lot of categories affecting most Americans. You can expect increases in the income tax, the capital gains tax, the social security tax, the estate tax, the corporate tax, and more. There's likely going to be increases in the gas tax and property taxes and the Medicare tax. The step-up in basis and the 1031 exchange might go away, meaning you won't be able to leave your money tax-free to your kids. You won't be able to sell real estate to buy other real estate without paying taxes. And there could even be totally new taxes, like a value-added tax, a wealth tax, or a tax on Roth IRAs. Your taxes could also go up even if they don't increase tax rates. They'll simply reduce deductions, exemptions, and exclusions. That deduction for your 401k? It could go away. The mortgage interest deduction? It's already gone for a lot of people. It could go away for everybody. There are a lot of ways taxes can rise without actually raising tax rates. And tax compliance costs could rise. If the tax code gets more complicated, or if the IRS starts auditing more people, you'll pay thousands more to your CPA. According to the Tax Policy Center, we're going to see the largest tax increases in decades. The alternative is to reduce government spending. But politically speaking, that's not likely. Now, before you try to alter your strategy to beat these new taxes, slow down. It might already be too late. I've heard from folks who say they want to sell their investments right now so they pay today's current 20% capital gains rate instead of some new higher tax rate. Well, you might be too late. The new tax law, whenever it's passed, could be retroactive. Meaning whatever you do right now will be subject to the new law, even though the new law doesn't yet exist. The bottom line, we don't know what the new tax law will be. And yeah, that makes tax planning a little bit of a challenge. But you know what's interesting about our tax system? It taxes income, not assets. Now, in the beginning, in the founding of our nation, that made sense because the only thing anybody had was income. Nobody had assets. But today, lots of people have assets. But our tax code still focuses on income. So your income is taxed, but your assets are not taxed. You can hold your assets for as long as you want, and you can leave them to your heirs tax-free. You can even give them to charity and get a tax deduction on your income. The result is that rich people pay very little to no taxes. They own, for example, lots of stock in their company. The stock that they own is not taxed, but their income is, so they take no income. They get no W-2. Instead, they borrow money from the bank, and they use their stock as collateral. Just like you use your home as collateral, your car as collateral when you try to borrow money. The interest you get on loans is cheap, and it's tax deductible. So you borrow a few billion dollars. You can live pretty well on that with not having to pay much of anything of taxes. So Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, Mike Bloomberg, George Soros, all these billionaires, they and others, they do all this. Forbes says that the 25 richest people are worth $1.1 trillion dollars collectively. Their wealth rose $400 billion from 2014 to 2018, but they only paid 3.4% in taxes. And a new study says that Jeff Bezos paid no income taxes at all in 2007, even though Amazon's stock doubled in price that year. But he did get a $4,000 child care tax credit. Warren Buffett, his wealth rose $24 billion over those four years. He paid $24 million in taxes. That's one-tenth of one percent. George Soros paid no federal income taxes at all three years in a row. The top 10% of earners in this country pay 70% of all the income taxes. But the billionaires, because they have so much money and they can collateralize their assets, assets are not taxed, they can generate loans, which they use as a replacement for income. And this is something ordinary Americans cannot do because you don't have enough assets to be able to go get those loans. Chances are your biggest assets, like your house, you've already borrowed against to be able to buy that house. Well, imagine if you had a house worth a billion dollars and you owned it free and clear. You could borrow hundreds of millions. You wouldn't have any income tax on that. And you could use that money to support your lifestyle. Ordinary Americans can't do this, but the very, very richest can, and our tax code supports their efforts to do it. By the way, the United States now has 30 billionaires who are under the age of 40. Oh, something else. $68 trillion is going to pass over the next couple of decades from baby boomers to their heirs. There are 85 million baby boomers in America, 90% of all boomers are still alive, and they're going to pass their assets to their children, and those assets under current law pass tax-free. So, is the government going to allow this to continue in its effort to raise new sources of revenue? By the way, the Treasury Department says $600 billion in taxes was not collected in 2019 due to tax cheating. President Biden wanted to raise the IRS budget $80 billion over 10 years so the IRS could audit more wealthy people and corporations. Congress this past week said no and refused to allow the president to increase the IRS's budget. By the way, Senator Elizabeth Warren, she doesn't like financial advisors. She's upset with them. She wrote a letter to Senator Ron Wyden. He's the chair of the Senate Finance Committee. Senator Elizabeth Warren said, Wealth management firms give their clients tactics that allow them to reduce their taxes. Well, duh, what do you think we're supposed to do? That's one of the reasons our clients hire us. And she, instead of being upset with the tax code, is upset with people who use the tax code to the full extent of the law. Go figure. I'm Rick Edelman. You're listening to the Truth About Money. Triple H Plan Rick. Online at ricedelman.com.
0: Or with the author of the number one national bestseller, The Truth About Retirement Plans and IRAs, coming up on the Rick Edelman Show.
1: Back to the Rick Edelman Show, Triple 8 Plan Rick. Got a question for me? Send it to askrick at rickedelman.com. Record your voice on your smartphone. That's what Derek did.
2: Hey, Rick, this is Derek from Washington. My question is What are your thoughts on getting life insurance versus mortgage insurance? I'm 34 years old, married with two young kids. I work in law enforcement. My wife works full time as well. Given my career choice, I want to make sure my wife and kids are taken care of should something happen to me. One of the biggest ways to do that is to make sure they can stay in the house we currently live in. Our mortgage is currently about $550,000 with a current market value of nearly 900000 so we do have some equity in it. What are your feelings on getting mortgage insurance to ensure it gets paid off should the worst happen versus getting life insurance? Also, does mortgage insurance payout adjust to the current mortgage note due, or does it stay at a fixed amount? Thanks again, Rick. Love the show and everything you do. Sad to see you leave, but happy for your next phase. Thanks again.
1: Derek, thanks so much for your dedication and service to the community. You definitely need life insurance. Uh, Recognize that mortgage insurance is life insurance. It simply pays the mortgage off instead of giving a check to your wife. And that's why we're not really big fans of mortgage insurance. I don't want your wife to be forced to pay off the mortgage. She might have more urgent or valuable uses for the money than that. Let her just continue making the mortgage payment. That's what counts. Provide her the money she needs to be able to do that. Paying off the mortgage isn't something that's necessarily essential. And another problem, because of the way it's marketed, mortgage insurance costs a lot more than life insurance, simply from a marketing advertising strategy. So no. No. Forget about mortgage insurance. Life insurance is the way to go. And you want to make sure you have a sufficient amount of life insurance for your wife and family that will be sufficient for them to be able to maintain their lifestyle and provide financial security. Now, one key element here, because you are in law enforcement, you might find it difficult to buy life insurance. Because of the risk of your occupation, or you may discover that the policy won't pay a benefit if you should be killed in the line of duty. So talk with the life insurance companies to see if they will provide you coverage despite your occupation, or if they might carve out the cause of death accordingly, and also go talk to your union and see what is available through them because this issue is faced by firefighters and police officers and and many who work in risky occupations. So the opportunity for buying life insurance exists. You might end up having to pay a little more for it than other folks, but definitely go about it as best you can. And I think you'll discover that life insurance is better for your wife and lower cost for everybody. That was Derek in Washington, D.C. Anytime a financial question strikes you, just record it on your smartphone. Send it to AskRick at com. Now it's time for everyone's favorite part of the show, a visit from my wife, Jean Edelman.
2: Hello, everybody. Good to be back and sharing. I wanted to share a little bit about macrobiotics. I know Rick shares that I'm a, a macrobiotic cook, and we've been actually talking to friends and And they're like, well, what is that? So I wanted to take a couple minutes and kind of share my story and then share with you what macrobiotics means is and just leave it at that. So when I was nine years old, I had a great science teacher and she really woke me up to food and our body and how food impacts our body. And so I just got it early and then... Fast forward to college, studied nutrition. Really wanted to change the world and open people's eyes about what's healthy cooking and what's healthy food and how it impacts your health and your body and how you feel and and your emotions and and all of that. And then fast forward to 2013 when I got introduced to macrobiotics, and it happened to be a family member that was ill. She was introduced, and it was helping her get through her illness. And so. To me, it was finding macrobiotics in my 50s was like a piece of myself kind of coming into place. It just clicked. It made sense to me, and I enjoy it, and it has changed my emotional health, my physical health, and so I'm happy. And I think that that's all we can look for in life is finding things that fit, that make sense for us and make us happy. And so I just wanted to share a little bit about what macrobiotics is. There is a great history, so I'm not going to go into that. But macrobiotics, it's a way of life. It's living in gratitude, making the most of every moment, grateful for whatever happens to us, whether it be positive or negative, and to grow from that opportunity. It's about having values and learning to accept people as they are and appreciate every person's life's journey to be honest and positive with relationships, and fulfill the highest ethics and values in our life. It's accepting that everything changes. By embracing change, we develop and we grow. Regarding our health, there's seven conditions of health. Vitality, good appetite and natural food, deep refreshing sleep, good memory, cheerful pleasant outlook, Clear thought and action, honesty and appreciation. A part of the way of life is also self reflection and developing opportunities to grow and have a bigger perspective of what's happening around us. It's also about building and trusting our intuition. That is an integral part of our health because each and every one of us has an inner knowing. And by eating healthy foods and getting good sleep and taking good care of ourselves, we tap into that inner knowing and we become better and stronger individuals. It's also about self-empowerment because I'm in control of what I eat. I'm in control of my immediate environment. And that is very empowering. So there's a, a way of life, which I just described. And then there's the food. And that is a big piece of it. The food is we practice consistent meal times eating together. Our meals are combining fresh vegetables, whole grains, and their products beans, fruits, nuts, seeds, pickles, fermented food, seasoning, sea vegetables. Now, sea vegetables, you may say, well, what are sea vegetables? Sea vegetables are like if you like sushi, it's that nori, and there are other sea vegetables, but I'm just gonna put that out there sea vegetables and then teas. And then the beauty of it is that each and every person, we are unique. And so the journey of macrobiotics is finding our balance and finding the foods that make us thrive. The preparation of our meals is quite different. Growing up Italian, you know, there was like one way to do everything. But our cooking techniques when we practice a macrobiotic lifestyle are different. There's a lot more steaming, water saute, uh, blanching. And so our food is bringing moisture and, and uh, nutrients to us in a healthier way. And so lastly, just thinking, living with curiosity, learning to think for ourselves, and living with a beginner's mind each day. And it's being open to new and fresh ideas. And so macrobiotics is a way of life. It's looking at our food differently and preparing it a bit differently. And it's just having wonderful natural curiosity and an open mind. So that's it very simply. My word for the week is macro. M is for magnificent because when you change and you are in control of your health and what you eat and how you manage your day-to-day life, you feel magnificent. The A is for allow. We need to allow these changes. C is for change. Look for change. It's a wonderful opportunity to grow and learn something new. The R is for research. You know, there's so much information out there. And we need to research and find what fits for us. Because not everything fits for everyone. Because our systems are different. Everybody's different. And when we find that piece and when it fits We're going to feel awesome. And O is for the opportunity. Just look for opportunity for change, opportunity for health, opportunity for gratitude and kindness and changing the small little world that is around us. I hope you all have a wonderful week. Thanks so much. Thank you, Gene.
1: That's Gene Edelman here on The Truth About Money. Thanks for joining us on the program today. There's a lot more to The Rick Edelman Show this week. Our full podcast online has additional stories and topics, including your calls, along with a look at what's going on in Connecticut, very similar to my RISE proposal with support for babies and their future. All that and more on this week's podcast at rickedelman.com. And if you need help with anything in the field of personal finance, call 888-PLAN-RICK. That's 888-752-6742 or visit rickedelman.com. See you next week.
0: Get the truth about money every weekend on The Rick Edelman Show.